All right, friends, how I can be led by the Spirit of God. John chapter 14, verse 26. Thank you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. So number one is unity. Say that with me. I'm going to give you three points today. All right? Then we're all going to uh, Burger King. All right? Praise the Lord. No? Yes? Maybe? Okay. Three, three points and then lunch. Okay. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you will take what I'm going to show you today, what the Holy Spirit is going to show you today, you'll never get lost. You don't need to be confused. Have you ever said things like, I wonder what God wants me to do. I wish I could hear from God. I wish I knew what God wanted me to do. Huh? Hmm? You just look straight ahead and say, amen, pastor. I know somebody needs to hear this. Right? But uh, there's, no, there's no need for you to, to be wishing and wondering or wavering about your pathway in life. You can be absolutely certain. And let me just say this. If you feel pressured to make a decision at the crossroads of life, my friendly neighborhood preacher advice to you would be to wait. Wait. If you feel pressured, you've got to do this right and you've got to do it right now. That's usually not how God operates. Amen? Now, if your kid's on the railroad tracks and you hear the Spirit of God saying, go grab him, that's different. But I'm talking about making life-changing decisions about a career or about a, a, a spouse. Hmm? When you're making a decision about a career, it should usually, typically, be something that's deep inside you that won't leave you. That's another key. When the Spirit of God is guiding you, He doesn't change His mind every half hour. Like we do. It's going to be rock solid. It'll be here tomorrow. It was there last year. It's going to be here next year. So sometimes we, de we deceive ourselves into thinking, well, if I don't do this right now, this opportunity will be gone forever. I, I just don't believe that. I'm not saying there's no exceptions, but for the most part, um, God is gently leading you. You know, God, Jesus is not... The cowboy with the electric prod, right? Making you do stuff, right? He's the good shepherd that leads. And the good shepherd is just going to start moving in a certain direction. And if we're wise, we follow him. John 14, 26. All right. And I didn't charge my, my iPad was dead, so I'm going to need help with the screen. That'll really help me if you could just keep up with me on the screen today. Thank you so much. Jesus speaking, he says, but the comforter... That's a Greek word. Anybody know what the Greek word is? Parakletos, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Now, in the Amplified Bible, uh, the comforter is called the advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby, and a couple other terms. But God has sent the Holy Ghost to help you in life. All right? He said, and Jesus is speaking. This is the night before he was betrayed. He said, The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you a couple of things along the way. I don't know. He might show you something every now and then. Is that what he said? What does he say here? He's going to teach you all things. You know, you and I, some of us are fairly intelligent. Some of us are a little bit more intelligent than others. But no matter how intelligent we are, no matter how much experience we have, we don't know everything. Is that fair? Is that true? Am I the only one? 
rest of you know everything. No? Hello. Talk back to me a little bit here. Preach at me a little bit, all right? We just don't know much, be honest with you. We don't know too much. And I think when we can have a humble recognition of how much we don't know, I think it puts us in a better position for the Spirit of God to lead us. Now, God wants to make you rich. Amen. Uh, let, me try, let me try preaching on this side of the church over here. I said, God wants to make you rich. Yes. <laughs> God wants to make you rich. I mean in dinero, dollar bills, tens, twenties, fifties, real estate, investments, stocks and bonds if you're into that kind of thing. Big fat checks coming to you unexpectedly in the mail. Has that ever happened to anybody? It's happened to me repeatedly. Close your eyes and say big fat checks coming to me in the name of Jesus. See, God wants to favor you with blessing that you don't have to sweat for. Amen. What did Adam have in the beginning? Everything. Everything. How hard did he work for it? Not at all. Not at all. Now, he was supposed to work in it, but he wasn't supposed to work for it. God has placed you already in a garden of blessing. And it is up to you to cultivate that garden of blessing. He's given you seed. And he expects you to carefully, lovingly, faithfully sow seed and reap a continual harvest from the garden of blessing that you are stewarding over right now. If you eat your seed, you kill your future harvest. Every seed in it has an unlimited destiny. That's why Jesus talked about the hundredfold return. And also the Bible says in the book of Genesis, chapter 26, that Isaac, way B.C., sowed in the land where God led him to sow. I'm talking about being led by the Spirit of God. And he reaped in the same year, not a hundred years from now, say the same year. year. Say, I can reap this year. This This is still July. It's still July. Is that he reaped a hundredfold the same year. Now what is hundredfold? Well, take a piece of paper and start folding it. I think if you use a pair of pliers, you can only fold it about seven times. Right? And then you start unfolding it and count the folds. Count the little squares and rectangles. That's only sevenfold. Every time you fold it, it doubles. You know, I've heard somewhere, you guys probably know as good as I do or better, if you take a penny and double it every day for 30 days, at the end of 30 days, it's an astronomical number. Who, who, who are we talking about here that's, that's increasing you? Who are we talking about? He holds all your subatomic particles together. You've got to understand that there are something like 20 trillion cells in your body. The human brain is, it's been said by by science that the human brain is the most complex arrangement of matter known to man. Your brain. There's trillions of cells in your brain. And and the synapses are sending chemical signals to one another at, at at an amazing rate. They're shooting little chemical signals from one cell to the other. 
and transferring information. Do you know that in your, your brain has the ability to remember every single color, every shade of color you've ever seen in your life? Trillions of colors. Your brain has the ability to recall every single person you've ever met, every word you've ever heard, every thought you've ever thought, every step you've ever taken in life. Your brain is that complex, that advanced, and that intelligent. And every single cell in your body, just one cell, uh, in microbiology they found out that, that the, the, the complexity of one cell in your body, and you have trillions the complexity of one cell in your body is on the same level of complexity as the universe. I mean, the symphony of interplay but, uh, of the chemical reactions taking place in one cell of your body. Who did that? Whatever, whatever is hanging you up right now ain't nothing but a thing. Talk to it. Stop, come on friends, come on. Yeah, Who's my buddy yeah. here today? Come on. Right. Stop talking about it and start talking to it. That's right. uh, I think it's Annette Capps wrote a little booklet called Quantum Faith. Yes. Charles Capps' daughter. Yeah. And in, in that, she talks about how faith-filled words, it's proven scientifically that they excite electrons. Talk to your bills. Curse them in Jesus' name. I've done this. I've murdered mortgages. Smile, everybody. This is good news for God's people. You can do this. Talk to credit card statements. Talk. If you have a checkbook that don't have enough money in it, why don't you pull it out and laugh at it? And we don't use checkbooks. Anybody use a checkbook anymore? Yeah. Use a checkbook? Okay. All right. Get her an offering envelope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you walked right over. Talk to your your accounts in your cell phone. Jesus Jesus said. Anybody know what Mark chapter eleven says? Anybody ever read that? Verse twenty two. Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire. When you pray, you believe that you receive them and you shall have them. He says if you believe it in your heart and say it with your mouth, you can change things. Faith changes things. Can I just tell you something? This is something that the Lord showed me. I'm sure that you've probably seen this years ago. But the Lord showed me this recently. Faith changes things, but love changes people. Don't get them confused. Don't try to faith people. They usually end up resenting it. Mm -hmm. Love can take a step back and say, let's do it your way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we Christian people, we use faith on people and love on things. That's, that's backwards. That's backwards. You don't, uh, it's inappropriate to love things because things can't love you back. 
Things are not eternal. Everything that you have ever seen, everything that has ever been built, all the artwork, right? All the, all the books that have ever been written, every CD that's ever been made, right? It's all going to burn. Yeah. It's all going to, I guess Jesse talks about his, uh, what is it? A, his house is like an acre inside, 43,000 <laughs> square foot. He says, it's going to burn. It's going to burn. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But think about, for just one second, about one cell of your human body. And about all of the chemicals that are in one cell of your human body. Literally, if you could take an exploded view like you do of the universe, and you, you would see innumerable, virtually infinite complexity in one cell of your body. And then you think about it on the other hand, the human body is actually very simple. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually quite simple. You know, you start walking and your feet just go forward and you walk. You don't have to, like, send a fax or a text or nothing to your feet. You just get it. God did all that. God did all that. Verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he's going to teach you all things. Do you think the Holy Ghost can teach you how to make money? Yes. Do you think the Holy Ghost can teach you how to stop blowing money? Yes. Boy, he had to work with me on that one for a long time. You know why? Pride. Pride blows money. Pride says, ah, I don't have to say this. Or I don't have to be wise with this. Or I don't have to stop and check with my wife about this. Hmm. Huh? It keeps coming up about secret spending. Smile, Cindy. This is good news for married people, right? <laughs> right? No, if you're going to have fellowship in your home, you're, men, you're not afraid to talk to your wife about something you want to buy. Tell her, I want to buy 16 ATVs and just whatever, you see what she says. <laughs> she might say, yes, I don't care. I mean, that's, that's between you and her. She might make you buy her 16 coach purses, I don't know. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Can God teach us how to handle money? You know, the truth is, sometimes he can and sometimes he can't. Does the word of God work for everybody? It does not. The word of God does not work for everybody. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus said, The sower sows the word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. Satan comes immediately to catch away the word that was sown in their heart. How come the devil can take the word out of some people and he can't take it out of other people? Praise the Lord. Because they just make up their mind. Other people, it says, others receive it with gladness and endure just a little while. But when the heat comes, they don't last because they don't have roots. Hmm? It says, others are under the pressures of life persecution, affliction, the lusts of other things, the cares of this world, entering in and choke the word. So three out of four people, the word of God did not work for them. 25% is just a hard-headed bunch that made up their mind, there's nothing that's going to take this from me. 
And only you can decide whether or not your heart is going to be good soil for the Word of God. I can tell you one way to make it better soil is to get on a rigorous hearing program. Get to where you're hearing and hearing and hearing. Not just, not just hearing sounds, not just having something playing in the background, but do some intentional hearing. Amen. Amen. Like when I'm sitting in a convention, and you know there's only about, what, 4.5 billion apps on your phone you could amuse yourself with while the speaker is bloviating about something you don't really care about, right? Or you could say, I'm not going to look at my phone for the next 60 minutes because this is the Word of God and I'm going to take it. You have to have that kind of attitude and you have to seize it. You have to capture it. You have to claim it. And you have to be pretty tough about it. Because, because seriously, the apps, and I'm just like you guys. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why did I come all the way to Texas to look on Craigslist in Denver for, a, right? for 16 ATVs, right? Just, okay. Can God teach us about how to handle money? I tell you, if he could, he'd make us rich. There is no limit to the wealth that the Christian can handle. There's no limit. There's not one single verse in the Bible that forbids the Christian from becoming wealthy. That should be good news to somebody. Praise the Lord. I mean, you have examples. I'll just tell you. All your Bible heroes are rich. Now, I said this to a fellow one time in church, and he argued with me. <laughs> you got to watch which church you say that in. I mean, you can tell what church you're in by whether or not you get some flack, right, if you say something like that. All your Bible heroes are rich. Name me, name me a Bible hero. David. David. David, in one offering, gave away 50 pickup truck loads of solid gold. In my Bible, uh, I wrote down, I figured, did the math, $6.5 billion in gold. And he said, I, I gave that out of my own private reserve. Out of my own savings account. And his son Solomon, did he do okay? The Bible says that Abram was very rich, not just in warm, fuzzy feelings, but in cattle, in silver, and in gold, we're talking about liquid assets. We're talking about real estate. Because if you're a cattle baron, you got to have a lot of real estate, right? you got to have water rights. And back in those days, because there weren't lawyers on every corner and the state patrol in, you know, on every road, you had to have massive political influence to keep people from raiding your cows at night. Right? Right? I mean, if you have a, a million cows, you wouldn't even miss 10,000 of them or something, right? For a few days. But they know you don't touch that man's stuff. That's prosperity. You know, I don't worry about my stuff. Now, I don't say that you leave town and leave everything unlocked and leave your wallet on the front step. I'm not saying be stupid. But on the other hand, if you have faith in God, you don't worry about somebody taking your stuff all the time. If you're full of worry, you're not prospering. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Prosper, where does prosperity begin anyway? It does, it, you're looking at your bank account and you're thinking, 
<laughs> don't look like I'm a prosperer. Friend, you could have nothing and be happy, and that's prosperity. The Bible says that Joseph prospered in prison. And that prosperity was inside him like a seed, like a vision, like a dream. And it manifested on the outside because it started on the inside. If you see yourself always failing, if you see yourself always coming up short, guess what? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We have to work on our imagination. We have to begin to allow, allow the Spirit of God to paint a clear picture of prosperity. Now here's the thing. You can get a beautiful, I could paint you a beautiful Rembrandt of prosperity here uh, in the next few minutes, right? And if you go home and you don't take care of that seed, it'll be choked there's nothing I can do about it, and there's nothing God will do about it. It's totally up to you. Listen, you know, I mean, if you have something extremely valuable, you watch over it, right? Now, the Word of God that is given to us, handed down to us through generations, inspired by the Spirit of God, and ratified in the blood of Jesus, if we don't value the Word of God as, as much as anything else on earth, we shouldn't be, have any confusion in our hearts about why it's not working like it, it, for me like it could be or like I see it working in somebody else's life. If I don't value it like Jerry Savelle does, huh? then I shouldn't wonder why it doesn't work for me like, like it's working for Jerry Savelle. Amen. Can God teach me about how to handle money? Well, I think we need to look ourselves in the mirror and ask that. Can he teach me? And then I think some things that we need to do is, um, I think we need to dream. The devil wants to kill your dreams. The devil wants you to have a little two-by-four, easy-to-attain dream and plan. You know, if you have a simple little plan, you don't really need faith to accomplish it, now do you? God, the Spirit of God, is going to lead you to a place you cannot afford. The Spirit of God is going to lead you to a battle you cannot possibly win. God is going to lead you to a place where you don't speak the language. God is going to lead you to a place where you do not understand the culture. Why would he do that? Because if he can get me out of my comfort zone and take me to a place where I have to rely on him completely, then when he makes me wealthy, he gets all the credit. Yes. Can you say amen? amen. So some, some of you are wondering right now, I, I just feel like I'm treading water. I'm not sure where I'm supposed to go. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm at a crossroads and I've been at a crossroads for a long time. I don't get it, God. What am I supposed to be doing? That's a good question. That's probably the smartest question you could ask. And just because you don't think you have an answer tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. doesn't mean that God has let you down. Right? Yeah. You know, I can just tell you, I was at a crossroads for many years driving a propane truck. I was making $18 an hour driving a propane truck. Right? That was barely keeping body and soul together. You follow me? But I would go up in the mountains 
all day long and pray in the Spirit. Pray in tongues. Say, pray in tongues, Pastor. That's good for you. Come on, come on, come on. Praying in tongues for a few hours a day will change your life. People think, well, I'm just too embarrassed to do it. It's not for somebody else. It's for you. It's for you. I've heard it said that uh, uh, your prayer language is the ladle that you dip from the cool, refreshing waters of God's wisdom. Right? So take your prayer language seriously. Most of us, when we're on the job, we have enough time to pray in the Spirit without making a fool out of ourselves. You understand that's not what I'm saying, right? Is that better? Yeah. Should I start preaching with a baseball cap every Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> it helps with the line. Okay. We can pray in the Spirit, and that will help you understand. That will, I mean, God will illuminate your mind. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul said, when I pray in the Spirit, my, my spirit prayeth, but my mind is unfruitful. Your mind doesn't really even understand what God is saying until it comes floating up from your spirit. And God will lead you supernaturally, step by step, and that's one of the things he uses is your prayer language. Because you're moving, when you're praying in your prayer language, you're moving obstacles out of your way. You're praying things out of your life that don't belong there. You're praying uh, temptations and preoccupations and distractions out of your heart that God does not want there. Say amen, please. That's good teaching there. When you pray in the Spirit, we're, uh, in Mark chapter 4, he says, Some of the seed fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth. When the, when the sun rose up, it spread, the, the seed germinated rapidly, but it faded quickly in the hot sunlight. Why? Because it was in stony ground. Now, have you ever planted a, a vegetable garden in the backyard? Anybody? Yeah. You, you, vegetable garden. Okay, you know, cucumbers, you know. Cut them up. Put them on a sandwich. Good. Amen. Tomatoes. Glory to God. Salt. Right? Mm. Good for you. Make you strong. What do you got to do when you're planting a vegetable garden in this part of the country, right? You, you start digging, what do you hit? Rocks. Uh, we were over uh, doing a sprinkler system in Boulder the other day. And it was all rock. Just with a thin veneer of dirt. You know, and the, and the trencher was just throwing these rocks out of the trench. I, I told the guy, I said, that's why they call it Boulder, man. You know? But if that's the condition of our heart, if there's hard things in our heart, the seed of God's word can land on precious prepared soil. But the rocks will compete for the moisture, and they overheat the soil, and they'll kill the root before you get any fruit. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So can God teach me how to become wealthy? Well, that's a good question. Can he? He can. But can I receive? Where am I with my receiving? 
The Father will send the uh, Paracletos in my name, and he shall teach you all things and bring everything to your remembrance, everything I ever said to you. I have had the Spirit of God, when I was in a pickle, bring me a word, and I knew it was God. Let me just say this to you, okay? At the crossroads of life, are you listening to me? I'm going to give you a a gem here. This will help you in life. At the crossroads of life, if you love God, I'm going to give you that proviso, right? Only you know if you love God. And if he saved you from hell, you you should love him, right? I know I do. Because I was on my way, right? One foot in hell already and the other one on a banana peel. And God saved me. But if you love the Lord, right? The guidance that the Spirit of God is going to give you at the crossroads of life will be absolutely unmistakable. Absolutely unmistakable. He does not have a speech impediment. God does not have a communication problem. We're the ones we we get a little bit hard to deal with, don't we? Because we're slow to hear. We're slow to respond. And sometimes he said it a long time ago. We didn't do anything with it. And so now he's just kind of looking at us. Just waiting for us. Just waiting for us to come to the end of ourselves. Just waiting for us to recognize and realize that we rejected what the Spirit of God sent to us. And that we need to come back and say, you know what, Father? I know you said something to me. Will you please help me find my way back? And he will. Okay? But sometimes, if we've rejected what God has said to us, there may seem to be some silence. Have you ever said something to your kids? I mean, this is how I try to raise kids. It doesn't always work out. But I try to tell them one time. (laughs) And if they don't respond, then I need to take action. If I'm sitting on the couch yelling at the kids, right, for an hour, I'm a lazy parent, right? But if I train my children and train myself that the first time that I say something, I actually mean it, which is what Jesus said, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things that she's saying are coming to pass, those kids are going to have whatever she said, (laughs) right? Amen? No. God doesn't have any communication problem. We have a hearing and responding problem. But if we'll get our heart right, if we'll remove the hard things out of our heart, come on, friend, come on. What are we talking about? What are some of the hard things in a Christian's heart? Oh, a Christian couldn't have any hardness in their heart. I'm a pastor. I know that's a lie from the pits of hell. Okay? Christians sometimes have hard things in their heart. That doesn't make you a bad person. Doesn't mean you're going to hell. Most of the time we've just been deceived. Or sometimes we've been hurt in life. Sometimes we've been rejected. And that rejection can turn into a hard thing in our life. Hmm. Is anybody with me here today? Sometimes we've been hurt and there's unforgiveness. That's, that'd be a stone in the heart now, wouldn't it? Unforgiveness. How about a feeling of inadequacy when we compare ourselves to others? We look at the movie stars and the athletes and we think, they're like godlike. 
And I'm like, not like, <laughs> you know, stop comparing yourself to them. They pull their pants on one leg at a time. And for all their good looks and all their savoir faire, if you took them to McDonald's, they might not be able to put two phrases together. Amen. Unless they got a script or something. Come on, you wouldn't trade places with one of these people. I wish I had all their money. You don't want their problems. Right. You don't want their pride. That pride will blind you to where the word of God cannot penetrate your life ever. Pride, and Pastor Steve says, pride is the master sin. All other sin grows out of the root of pride. Pride blinds us to the work of the enemy. It's awfully hard to be led by the Spirit of God when we're walking in pride. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Because we think we're right, and we ain't. Amen. Uh, I've heard it said, that if we refuse to do the word of God, that we're halfway between God and the devil, God can't help us though he wants to, and Satan can enter into our innermost counsel and tinker with it because we refuse to be a doer of the word of God. We think, well, I'm okay just kind of halfway out here. I'm kind of at a safe orbiting distance from the center of God's will for my life. God understands. God knows what I'm going through. God still loves me, and yes, He does. But He also understands that His plan for your life is the best plan. And when you begin to grow up in Christ, you'll start to recognize that His plan is the only plan for my life. Amen. If you look at uh, uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord had said, to Abram, get thee out of thy house and from thy kinfolks to a land that I will show you. And the, the word says that he was about 75 years old at the time. There's no telling how long ago it might have been that God said that to Abram. It might have been 50 years. It might have been 60 years. It might have been 70 years. Has God ever spoken to any of us when we were little kids? I know he did me. Five, six, seven, eight years old kids. God stalks to them all the time. And he will set the tone for your life as a child if he can get through to you at all. Right. Amen. 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 And there's no reason why God would have dealt with Abram any differently than he does with you and me. The Lord had said to Abram. God spoke that to Abram probably decades before Abram ever decided to obey God. So we're in good company. Right? Don't, don't, don't denigrate yourself. Don't castigate yourself, right? Don't demerit yourself because you've been slow to obey. Just say, you know what, Lord, your word is precious to me. I'm going to remove the stony things out of my heart. I'm going to yield up this grudge to you. I'm going to stop carrying this grudge. You know it's weighing you down. You know that, right? You can't carry that grudge into the kingdom. It's too heavy. You got to try. You got to pack light. Stay, stay ready to go. You can't be carrying around a sack of rocks with you everywhere you go. Well, Jesus, I'm here to serve you today. What are you carrying there? Well, a little bit of unforgiveness, a little bit of stubbornness. You know, a little, right? Some hurts from the past. Listen, I'm not, I'm not littling, belittling hurts of the past. But let's let the Spirit of God heal that. Let's let the Spirit of God 
heal those, those busted places in our soul. And we all got them. There's no shame in this. There's no shame in this. No matter what you've been through, no matter what somebody put your, you through, no matter what you put yourself through. Listen, there's no reason you have to stay that way. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into every place in my heart. Remove this junk out of me. Change me. Everybody with me right now. Change me, Lord. Change my heart. I want to have an obedient heart. I yield up the stubbornness, Lord. I yield up the unforgiveness. I yield up these grudges. I yield up this feeling of inadequacy. I yield up this, this twisted self-image, Lord, that has caused me to replicate uh, 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 this, this dumb lifestyle, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Can God lead us? Can God guide us? Can the Spirit of God... Now listen, we talked about it. How many cells in your body... How many subatomic particles in one cell? They're discovering new stuff all the time. You know, when I was a little kid, they thought electrons were the smallest thing. Well, now they're finding stuff smaller than that. Quarks and stuff. And quantum mechanics has all kinds of theoretical particles that got to be there somewhere for this thing to hold together. I mean, literally trillions and trillions of particles in one cell of your body. And just do the math. What's a trillion times a trillion? Isaiah. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it's a lot of zeros, isn't it? I have no idea what that is. It's a big number. That's just one cell. That's one body. How many people are there? How many nuances are there to your personality that God put in you that makes you absolutely unique in all of God's creation? Your fingerprint your personality is absolutely unique in all of God's creation. He knew you before you were born. Your DNA was on the shelf in the catalog of God's creation before the foundation of the world. He knew you. He loved you. He had a plan to redeem you. He has a plan for your life. And it is a good plan. It is a, see, it's a good plan. Say, God, I embrace your plan for my life. Say, no more wandering. No more wavering. Show me. Come on, from the bottom of your heart. Show me, Lord. Teach me. I'm telling you, this is how I pray. This is the most powerful prayer I ever prayed. And I, and I, I still pray it. Show me, Lord. Show me. Open my eyes. Show me what you want me to see. Show me who I am. Show me what you're doing in my life. Show me what my, the meaning of my life is, Lord. I want to live a life of significance. Friend, you are in a flesh and bone body right now for a whisper in eternity. A whisper. It'll be over. We'll be out of here. This is the only shot you got to walk by faith. This is it. This is it. In the flesh. Throughout the ages of eternity, when you walk down the streets of gold, people are going to say, there goes one of God's kids. That's the church. I believe that when you walk down the street, the angels will bow their head and say, here comes the church. Step aside. Because you're living in the flesh by faith. You can't see the warfare that you're surrounded by. You can't see the, 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 the army of spirits that have been sent to confuse you, derail you, kill you when you're young, get you addicted. Get you confused and keep you confused and keep you in a place where you, you, you don't trust God. 
May God open our eyes. May God open our eyes. Teach us to trust you, Lord. That old, that old hymn we used to sing. Oh, for grace to trust him more. <clears throat> yeah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, we didn't make it through one scripture here today, did we? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can you give me uh, John chapter 16, verse 7, please? John chapter 16, verse 7. I'm going to stop right on time today. Thank you, Lord. We'll beat the... Uh, We'll be Flatirons Church to Burger King here. We'll be all right, right? Okay. All right. <laughs> 16.7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Jesus speaking. The night before he was betrayed. Red letters in your Bible. It is expedient. He says, this is better for you guys if I split. Because if I don't leave the comforter, the parakletos, Cannot come to you. He will not come. You know, they're, they're with Jesus 24-7, 365 for three and a half years during his earthly ministry. They watched him raise the dead, give sight to the blind, heal the leper, he, uh, uh, restore missing body parts to the maimed. Amen. They watched him, I mean, supernaturally speak wisdom to the most educated men of his day. And he was surrounded by professors and he befuddled them with a word. And they lived with him 24-7, 365. And they said, man, this is it. One of them, a couple times they said, hey, let's set up the kingdom right here, man. Let's just do this. And he says, you don't even know what's going on. <laughs> but he says, and this is the night before he was crucified. He said, if I don't leave, the Spirit of God cannot come. What is he saying? He's saying, it's better for you to have the Holy Ghost than it is for you to have me in the flesh where you can see me and touch me. Say, so he's talking about me. He's talking, Jesus says, it's better for you, Michelle, the situation you're in is better than the, than the 11 men sitting there at the Last Supper in the painting. Jesus said, your situation is better than them because they didn't have the Holy Ghost. All they had was what they could see and feel and hear. You're led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God wants to lead you and guide you into all the truth. He says, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. Praise the Lord. I'm going to give you a key. Give me of Ephesians chapter 4, please. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, please. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Can you go back to verse 1 and give me the message, please? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, and give me the message, please. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In light of all this, here's what I want you guys to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> While I'm locked up here a prisoner for the master, Paul is writing from a prison cell. He says, here's what I, how I want you guys to handle stuff while I'm in, in jail, all right? I want you to get out there and walk, better yet run, on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone just wandering off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily. 
pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. You know, it is so easy and so carnal to focus on people's faults. I mean, I'm, I'm up here, it's easy to see my faults. This is the first time I ever preached in sweats and a baseball cap. <laughs> right? Huh? Don't let it be the last. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's so carnal to always be focusing on people's shortcomings and faults and failures. Brother, sister, that's what mirrors are for. Huh? Come on. And while you're at it, stop tearing yourself down. You know, if we're always tearing somebody else down, it's probably because we have a poor self-image. Praise God Almighty. Hallelujah, Jesus. Next, please. <clears throat> you were all called to travel on the same road. You want to be led by the Spirit of God? Who wants to be led by the Spirit of God? Yeah. Then what makes me think that God's going to lead the whole body of Christ this way, and I'm a lone stranger, and I'm going this way? You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction, so stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You know, when you're a pastor, you know when folks are with you and folks ain't with you. We don't always talk about it, but I, we, we know when people aren't, aren't really with us, but they're here. I love you anyway. I love you anyway. And may God have mercy on whatever it is that's caused broken relationships in the body of Christ. I can't control it all. I can work to control me. The Bible talks about self-control. A lot of us use that on my brother and say, see if I can control my brother and my sister, right? But that's not why I'm here. You have one master, one faith one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is present in every one of us. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. Go back to John chapter 17, verse um, 11, please. John chapter 17, verse 1. Excuse me, 11, 17, 11, John 17, 11. And now Jesus praying the night before he was crucified. I'm almost done. Can you hang on here? And now I'm no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your own name those whom you have given me, that they may be one. You want to be led by the Spirit of God? Get in unity. Get in unity. You want to be led by the Spirit of God? Get in unity. Get in unity. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can I see verse 20, please? Jesus saying, he's still praying. John chapter 17 is one long prayer. He says, I'm not just praying for these fellows who are standing right here. But I'm praying for every single one of them that's going to believe on me through their word. He's praying for us directly because we found out about Jesus from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the people that were there in that room that night. That's right. Next, please. That they all may be 
I tell you, friends, the, the body of Christ is coming to unity. Yes. It is. We are. Yes. We are coming to unity. Uh, that's one of the reasons we're having the night of worship. I invited preachers that don't even like me to come. Amen? Amen. <laughs> what about their doctrine? I don't care. We have two things in common. Jesus and geography. Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be? Why? Why can't we be friends? We have Jesus and geography in common. Why can't we get along? Why can't we work together? That they all may be one. Just like you, Daddy. You're in me. I'm in you. That they may be one in us. That the world may believe that you have sent me. You want to be led by the Spirit of God? Yes. Get in unity. You can stand up, please. You can stand up. And the danger is we delude ourselves by thinking. We delude ourselves by thinking that I'm getting perfect guidance from the Spirit of God, but I'm walking in disharmony with the body of Christ. Did you hear what I just said? That is textbook self-delusion. To think that I have, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with God. He's leading me. He led me to do everything that I'm doing. I'm right where he wants me to do. I just can't stand church. I can't stand Christians. I don't believe in that. And I can't get along with this long laundry list of Christians that have done me wrong in the past. But I, I'm hearing God's voice just fine, thank you. That's self-delusion. And the only cure for self-delusion is repentance. Father, in Jesus' name, I worship you, Lord. I worship you. I thank you for the Holy Spirit of the living God who dwells in us. I pray for every single person in here, God, that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would teach us, and that you would show us how to walk in unity, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.